Welcome to the Best Player Wins podcast, where we believe that winning is winning, no matter by how little or by how much. I'm your host, Jake Deemer, back after a couple weeks off. I'm excited to be back on the podcast. Um, hopefully, I'll, I'll have less breaks between my appearances, but um, fantastic job, those who were uh, steering steering the ship in, in my absence. Uh, Jerwin, very... Jerwin is also here, by the way. Um, excellent job in taking over for the power chair. And like I said in the group chat, um, Jordan and Nate, that was a very creative uh, segment. Um, I could not stop laughing as I was listening to it. It's hysterical. Uh, Jerwin, glad to be back together once again. Yeah, reunited and it feels so good. It feels good because we're not. It only feels good for you because we're not doing the the pitcher debates today. Um, so right, you're not. Right, I'm not right, going right, right. yeah. I'm not going to slander your list again. Uh, <laughs> but we do. We do have a particularly meaty show in store. Uh, we're going to get into Jerry's deep dives, uh, version two. Um, so we are reaching the end of the month of May, and we're also going to look at the craziness that is the division. At the, I guess the division split right now um, and the weirdness that is that. So without further ado, let's get back into it uh, with our last week recap. Um, I would like to note that Jerwin added the team names to the, the matchups. I would just put in the, the owner names because I it was less typing. But basically, Jerwin is forcing me now to read the team names. Um, and I guess everyone is rejoicing because that's what they wanted. So no money, Mike defeated a uh, weak pullout hitter. Sam, see, I wouldn't have to specify who it is if I just could tell you the owner name, but well, we won't go there. Um, JC and company beat Jordan, the walk Institute of research, uh, Nate eating ass and taking names beat Brendan, the flying Rutschman, Scott team Eminon continued rolling beating Eddie, look at my Tatis. Jake's fantasy baseball team beat the Mighty Vibes, uh, which is, of course, Jerwin. And finally, league villain Nick Endries, Beaver Valley All-Stars beats Nick Lee, Team C. Deemer. Um, our median, I feel like, I don't have anything to back this up, but I feel like the median was a little on the higher side. Um, 254.45, um, the teams that went one and one, JC won his matchup in a, this was just one of those classic, you know, defensive battles, uh, but finished below the median and Jerowin, an unlucky loser. Once again, um, you lost your head to head matchup, uh, but you finished above the median going to our standings update. Um, I don't, I don't think there was, oh no, I guess there was movement in the East. Um, so I'm still atop the division at 13 and three Jake's fantasy baseball team. Second in the East now is no money. Mike after a two and a week, he's at 11 and five JC and company though, right behind him at also 11 and five. Um, he slips down to third after a one and one week in the West Scott still atop the rank, uh, still atop the division. At, and I don't think that is going to change anytime soon. Uh, he's 13 and three, two and a week last week. I think he was the highest scorer as well. And then we have Team C. Deemer, Nick Lee. Um, he had an, has an 0-2 start, or 0-2 start, 0-2 last week, but he still is at 9-7 and, and still is three games up 
on the third place team, the Mighty Vibes still staying in there at six and ten. Uh, Jerwin, any takeaways from this week? Uh, my my takeaway is less of a takeaway, more just like a, a coming to Jesus moment. You know, I, I realized listening to the podcast last week that Brendan, though through the voice of Jordan, uh, was right about me. I I haven't been positive this year. It's clearly the source of my early season woes. All that negative talk about everyone's misvaluing keepers and giving out bad draft grades and even saying things like it didn't matter if my team was going to win or even saying I didn't think my team could win if I was playing Scott or something like that. Nonsense. Heresy. It, it all stops now. The vibes are mighty indeed but they will be mighty in their positivity first and foremost to my team. I am sorry for having brought you down because of this never again. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I, I, we were a little concerned because we thought you were rebranding and when you rebranded as the mighty vibes, you know, that the positivity was gone. Do you plan on switching the team name at all to reflect your, your positive attitude, make sure that the positive the positivity is not lost per se. The we can name ourselves whatever we want. It's really it's about the vibes themselves. If I'm giving off positive vibes, you'll know that the vibes are positive. I they just they're mighty now, but you'll know by my vibes. That is very fair. My takeaway, and this will probably be the only time on this podcast that I ever kind of venture into this type of takeaway, but my takeaway is it is it can be good to kind of take a break. And I guess I'm not going to try not to ramble too much, but we went camping over the weekend and I did not have any cell service other than to send messages. So from Thursday on, I had no idea what was happening in my matchup, which apparently was really close. And I almost blew a 60 point lead. The reason I say that is if I did not have cell service, I would have probably been glued to my phone watching the scores go up and down and being really stressed and not happy with how my guys were performing. All this to say, I think that that was actually a good thing. Um, and I'm going to try to work that in a little more, maybe not score watch all the time. Um, Cause it, it's good to, you know, take a break. And I, I think I, I was kind of forced to take a break because I wasn't, I, I couldn't actually access the app to look at anything or like the internet or anything like that. But it was good to take a break, like a mental break from fantasy baseball. I could tell everybody who was texting me about trades, hey, I can't actually see anything right now. So I I, I have no answer for you. And uh, it was it, it was good to definitely take a step back there and just not, I, I guess, not score watch, I guess, is my, is my main thing. So I'm going to try. I think I might try to incorporate that a little more, um, just try to take a step back. But that was that was definitely my my biggest takeaway. And part of that is because I couldn't actually see half of the week to come up with a different one. Um, so let's let's go to our uh, trades now. We do have a couple of these. The first of which, Nick Lee gets on the board. Um, we're going to start there. Nick Lee trades Max Scherzer. Jara, when you traded Mackenzie Gore and Cattell Marte. Um, I will start with thoughts on this one. Um, and I will say I... I definitely think you got the better of this exchange. And the, the biggest thing for me is I don't think McKenzie, and this is coming from probably the biggest Cattell Marte guy in 
be in the league. My my love for the man is, is well known. Um, I still think he's very good. Um, I, I'm not so sure that he's the elite second baseman that I I envisioned him being um, for the last couple of years, but he's still extremely serviceable. I think he's above average, um, and the ceiling is I, I think still there. Maybe not to the level it was before, but still there. Uh, my my issue here is mostly Mackenzie Gore. I don't I, honestly I don't think he's very good. Um, he's too inconsistent for me. Uh, he's even when he does show, like in his last start, he 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 showed that he he has a a ceiling. However, he has never ever been able to consistently do that. And so I have no reason to believe that now there's going to be any different. So I'm still valuing pretty much the same way that I was before. I don't really think he's very good. Um, I think that even though he is drafted late, uh, I don't really think that he ha- he holds much keeper value and he needs a lot to get there. Um, for Nick Lee, I-, I think in his position, I don't know that trading Max Scherzer at the at his lowest point was was a great idea. Um, just because. Uh, I, I get it if Scherzer is maybe he is cooked, but like for the reason for me, I've just been kind of treated the last couple of years. Like I think we I think we proclaimed him cooked in like 2021 or something. At this point with Scherzer, I'm like until I I'm just gonna believe until he's until he falls on his face, and I don't think we're nearly there yet. So I th- I think this is more of a buy low thing. Um, and in Nick Lee's position as a contender, um, I don't know that you, be, you should be sacrificing your your ace. Um, and trading him at his low at, at his lowest point uh, for at least somebody as un, unproven as Mackenzie Gore is, I, even though I do like Ketel Marte. All this to say, though, I do sympathize with Nick Lee because this he the way our trade market has been this year, it's like all out of whack. So is no examples of a keeper trade or anything at all. And as we know from other guy, other newer guys in our league, and some of the moves that. Uh, they made early on like there is a learning curve to the learning the uh, the keeper value and um, since our trade market has been so slow especially with these types of trades like there's nothing to base this off of or nothing no examples or anything to to kind of get an idea of what fair market value is for anybody and Mike I mean honestly it it is kind of like for Scherzer you know like the market is what you'll you'll pay for or what somebody will pay for him but um, to me, this was too low, uh, so I am going with with Jarwin as the winner in this trade. Even though I can tell Marte does still hold a special place in my heart, Jarwin, that was a lot for me. Uh, what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, well, in the in the interest of of giving out some positive vibes here, um, I I will say like full disclosure, I, I agree. I don't think I disagree necessarily with anything you said. And I I think if this trade were offered to me and I was in Nick's shoes with Max Scherzer, I I would have said no. Um, but again, in the interest of putting out some positivity, um, I'll give the best case for what I see as Nick's side of this deal. Um, Cattell Marte, like you said, he's not an unbelievable second baseman, but I think he's clearly solid. And I don't know what was going on last year, but he seems to be much better, much more consistently good this year than last year, um, at least so far. Um, It's worth pointing out that second baseman 
was a position of need for Nickley. I mean, I didn't, yeah, so, I didn't mean uh, to make it sound like he was getting nobody. Yeah, so so a clear improvement at second base. I think he was starting Adam Frazier when we made this trade. So uh, a a win in at second base for Nickley at least. On Mackenzie Gore, I, like you said, he's he's too inconsistent now to justify keeping him. Like if the season ended today and we were we were locking in our keepers tomorrow, I'd have a hard time keeping Mackenzie Gore. But like you said, the ceiling is there. And I don't know that absolutely he needs to show that he can be consistent, but I don't know that we have seen him for long enough to to say whether or not that is possible or impossible, if that makes sense. Like last year, he actually looked kind of good for a stretch and then kind of fell off a bit and then he got hurt. And we didn't we didn't see much of him last year. This year, he like you said, he's shown flashes, and we saw one on Sunday. He scored 26 points in my almost amazing comeback on Sunday, and that's the same number of points that Max Scherzer scored in his lone start since since this trade was executed. All that to say, the the scenario in which. Nick Lee wins this trade walking away just absolutely blows me out of the water is is still possible if Mackenzie Gore can can kind of lock it down and be more consistent. That's a big if, I'll admit, but I, I think I'm probably a bit more optimistic that than you are as to how likely that will be. He's st- he's still pretty young. I, I think he can still do it. You, I again, I wouldn't have made this trade betting on that to happen, but still very possible. And I think I, I will be looking at this later to see. Oh, did I give away Mackenzie Gore for pennies when I should have held my cards? All right, so let's go to the next trade. This is Mike traded Jorge Polanco and Josh Young, and League Bill and Nick traded Willie Adamas and Bobby Miller. Um, I'll just start us again. Um, I don't really think there's anything wrong with this trade. Um, I, there's just like a couple interesting notes that I do want to talk about. So Willie Adamas was on Nick's team, Nick League Bill and Nick Andrews team for, um, I believe, less than 24 hours. Um, he added him off waivers and then I, I think that was just to make the like the IL swap kind of work, I think, but I'm not positive. But th- I think that this is and again, I think this trade is perfectly fine, but I think this does illustrate why in general, I don't like to draft prospects who are not supposed to be called up relatively soon. And that was the case with Bobby Miller, because usually it seems like somebody else other than the person who drafted them is the one that's reaping the benefit. And in this case, Mike actually drafted Bobby Miller. I think he did. And uh, league villain, Nick was the one who actually added him because Mike had a roster crunch earlier in the year. And since Bobby Miller was being, was put on the, it's the same situation I just had with Sal Freeland where 
I mean, I thought self Relic was going to, I think he would be up by now if he didn't get hurt, but he got hurt. And because he's in the minors, you can't put him on the, on the injured list. So Mike had that roster crunch and had to drop Bobby Miller. And now Nick picks him up. He has a good start. Suddenly the keeper value looks like it. Maybe it might be there. He's just barp. So I think that, and that, like that's that kind of just illustrates why I, I, that's not really my thing. Like drafting prospects who aren't going to be, who I don't think will be up fairly soon. And like even if Miller was, like we didn't know that there, there was a chance he was going to be. We wouldn't have seen him till the second half because he got he got off to that slow start with his shoulder. So that's kind of my overall. I don't have, like I said, I don't have too much more to add on the actual trade itself. I, I think that this does illustrate though why I in general don't like to draft. Uh, prospects who we don't think will be, and we and we did not think that Bobby Miller was going to be up this early. We did. I think he only was because uh, the Dodgers ran into some injury injury problems. But yeah, that, all that to say, I, I, it's a fine trade. I just wanted to kind of speak to that part of it because I know I've alluded to it in the past, and I think that this trade kind of illustrates why I think that way. Um, Jerwin, any thoughts from you? Yeah, I actually did realize that it was Mike who drafted Bobby Miller. That that's interesting to me. I I, I think I have the basically the same take. The tr- the trade is pretty fine. Josh Young and Bobby Miller, I think, are at least moderately interesting. Probably Bobby Miller more so, especially. Well, I think they both have keeper value, but but still, I I think like you said, the trade is fine, but those like interesting things. I don't know. I I mean. Mike values players how he values players. And like if Bobby Miller is actually going to be a breakout and, you know, be productive all year and be a great keeper, then no one bats an eyelash. But I don't know. it. I would be way too prideful to take Bobby Miller back after dropping him. I, I wouldn't accept a trade. If anyone... It, like Brian De La Cruz is an example. I dropped him early in the season. He wasn't looking good to start the year, but he's he's kind of started to heat up a little bit. And Scott has him now. I'm I'm not gonna go trading for Brian De La Cruz because I dropped him too early. Like I, I'm just too prideful for that. Which you know might be a vice or something, but that that's just my take. And and Mike can still went out on on this one despite that all right so those were our trades uh let's go i'm gonna i'm gonna pass it off i'm gonna pass the whole power chair now off to jerwin and he's gonna give a we're gonna get into our deep dive so jerwin take it away yes the power chair does indeed transfer electronically so uh, for this month's deep dive, we're going to start with the May breakdown, uh, the overall scoring breakdown for the month of May. These are matchups five through eight, spanning the dates May 1st through May 28th. Um, I'm actually going to go in reverse order and reveal who won this month that way. So in 12th place with 729.4 points was Jordan, uh, a drop of seven spots from last month. In 11th was Sam with 895.6 points, falling five spots. JC at 10 uh, fell eight spots with a score of 896.3 points. 
In ninth place was Eddie with 964.4 points. He was up two spots. In eighth, Nick Lee was at 976.7 points. He did not move from last month. Uh, Also not moving at all in seventh last month and this month is Nate at 975.2 points. Uh, Just ahead of him in sixth was me by literally 0.1 points at 975.3 points. Uh, I was up four spots from last month. In fifth, uh, Brendan, a great turnaround with 982.5 points, up seven spots from the month of April. Mike, at fourth, he scored 1,009.2 points, down three spots from April. League villain Nick, up six spots, he scored uh, 10 46.1 to take the third spot in the month of May. And drumroll, our last two contestants, Scott and Jake. No surprise to anyone, actually. The first overall was Scott with 1211.6 points, up three spots from last month and moving up two spots to finish runner-up this month by quite a mar- large margin uh, is Jake with 1088.8. And now let's take a look at what that's done to the overall scoring standings. We'll go top to bottom for this one. Uh, Number one overall is now Scott up two spots. He's got 2441.3. He is also first in actual standings. Uh, second place is still is is Mike. He fell from the first spot. He's at 2328.7, third overall in the standings. Uh, third in scoring now is Jake at 2192.7. He's second in the standings. JC is number four at 2141.1, falling two spots out of the top three. Uh, He is also in fourth in the standings. In fifth in scoring, league villain Nick at 2082.5, up four spots uh, to, and he is also in seventh place in the record standings. Sixth place is Nate. 2044.9 2044.9 up a spot. He is fifth in the standings. Nick Lee, 2006.6 up one spot uh, at seventh. He is sixth in the regular standings. Uh, I am next at eight at 1980.5 up two spots. I am also eighth in the regular standings. Uh, Sam falling three spots to ninth is 19. 19- at 1976.1, he is 11th in the standings. Eddie is in 10th with 1903.6, up one spot in scoring. He is 9th in the standings. Uh, Jordan is at 11th, falling six spots uh, with a score of 1826.6. And he is currently 12th in the standings. Still last in scoring is Brendan at 1708.4. He did not move at all, but he is 10th in the regular standings. That was a lot of numbers. I feel like next month we'll have to maybe figure out 
some way of doing the breakdown that's not just me spewing numbers <laughs> everywhere. I'll, we'll uh, just text out the list and they can read it if they want. Yeah, we'll we'll just we'll just do that and then we'll talk Boom. about the the interesting ones or something like that. Uh, text us your your thoughts whether you thought it was fine or if you wanted a list or, or some other idea. Well, don't uh, text us your thoughts because I already decided that's what we're doing. Oh, okay. Never mind then. Jake's the power chair was transferred back momentarily and now I will take it back. Uh, my question on the overall scoring and the monthly trends that I just laid out, Jake, uh, which month was the Mirage? We saw some pretty big swings in scoring between the first four matchups and the second four. Uh, should we believe more in the April results or the May results? And just to, to reiterate some of the, the swings, League Villain Nick was up six spots in the month of May. Brendan up seven. I was up four. JC fell eight spots. Sam fell five. Jordan fell seven. So that that's what we're talking about here. Okay, so I I mean, the, uh, the cop-out answer is I'm just going to take the largest sample size and say both months, but that's against <laughs> the rules. So I would say that we would... I would I would consider the you know the most I mean the most recent month more highly just because I I think that uh, you know this is what's going on right now and um, it's the most up to date information that we have and uh, you know I I think at this point we're starting to see you know some of our slow starters they're they're starting to get going some of our uh, hot hot guys that came out of the gate on fire. They might be slowing down a little bit. So I think at this point, you know, things are starting to normalize a little bit. And um, yeah, I mean, I don't think that that's a shock to anybody. That, that I'm pretty sure everybody does that. You're, yeah, give me the most, give me the most up to date recent information. Um, if I have to choose choose between the two, but I I will still say if I have to give me the full the full sample size. Of course, naturally. Um... Well, I, I think one exception to that would be for me, and we'll maybe touch on this in a little bit, but Brendan, I think, is a clear, like, in the full sample size, he's still dead last in scoring, but I, I think he's got a much better team than that now, and I think the, the month of April shows that, being up in fifth rather than dead last. Um, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. I, there There are some situations where, you know, like, one month can be that bad. And in Brendan's case, his first month was that bad that he's going to be, he's probably going to be recovering from this even next month. Yeah. It was that bad. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, like he made several trades, so he's got a, a very different team now than he did in April too. So like, yeah, you know, it, it's a little different than like, comparing you know like the pirates hot start i know they lost Cruz, which was was probably a big loss and and vasquez for for a time he was doing pretty good but like for the most part you've got the same team on the field you're just either hot or you're not in fantasy the the turnover is much greater yeah i mean on that same note like the pitching staff brendan has now is this just goes back to you know i mean that's pretty obvious i don't even know why i'm saying this but like his pitching staff now that's the pitching staff he's probably going to go forward with he's not going to trade back for all those guys that he dumped because they stink yeah. and that's the reason that he's in this he's in this position in the first place so yeah most most recent information uh give me that one 
precisely. Let's go ahead and move on. Last month I gave like a, a scoring tiers breakdown. Um, and we're going to discuss that a little bit, but I, I'm also going to switch over, I think, moving forward to more of a power rankings thing. Um, because the scoring breakdown was kind of all the data we had for the first month. Now we have two months, and like like I just said, Brendan, it's a very different team now. He had a very different month, so leaving him at the bottom just because he's still at the bottom in scoring doesn't doesn't quite feel right. So I'll give the the scoring tiers that I had similar to what I had last time, where it's just the biggest gaps in scoring in the actual rankings and then i'll go ahead and do power rankings and moving forward i'll just stick to these um for the breakdowns and we will discuss after so uh the teams to beat would be scott and mike the contenders just behind them i think are jake and jc uh the next tier i had i used to have the the contenders and the outsiders. I broke the outsiders into two in this one. Uh, we have the 2000s club teams that have reached the 2000 mark in total scoring. That would be uh, League Villain Nick, Nate, and Nick Lee. And then in the 1900s club uh, is myself, Sam, and Eddie. And then at the bottom is Jordan and Brendan, uh, neither of them having broken uh the 1900 mark as of yet uh tale of two months for both of them but um now the part that actually matters these are my power rankings based on what we're seeing in scoring trends so far i think the real teams to beat and these are are going to be actually in order um not just in tiers uh the teams to beat number one I think is Scott. I'm giving the two spot to Jake with Mike in third, but in that same tier. Uh, one tier below, I have the contenders. I think that is League Villain Nick at number four overall, Nate at number five, and then JC rounding out this tier at number six. And then the next tier I'm calling the bubble because it's they're, it's kind of like a... You know, these teams are probably going to be the ones like fighting for. Uh, well, I mean, they're all in the West, so we're going to be fighting over a couple of the the higher playoff spots and or a wild card spot towards the end of the year. Uh, the bubble at number seven, Nick Lee, eight, myself, nine is Brendan, and then uh, at. 10th overall rounding out the bubble is Sam and then the outsiders because you, you can't really count out all of the teams just yet I know two months is a long time but it's an even longer season so the outsiders I have as Eddie and then uh, Eddie at 11 and then Jordan at 12 Jake uh, do you have any disagreements any qualms with what I have laid out here um, I think I would have, I think I would have, I would flip Eddie and Sam in the tiers. Um, I think Eddie is a little more in it than Sam is at this point. Yeah. I think that's my only major qualm. It is interesting though, that you have Nick Lee 
outside of the contenders, just given his relative safety. Like he's he's almost assuredly going to make playoffs. To me, well, yeah. To me, the I'm basing this off of who has the best chances of winning a championship, not I, I guess the bubble name for that tier is a little bit misleading because like Nick Lee is fairly safe for a playoff spot at this time. But given the given the store scoring trends, I don't see him being better than the teams above him, uh, despite the the record. So Right. So um, here's my thought on that. So his playoff spot is almost completely secure, right? Mm-hmm. And I guess like to use some other sports, like we just saw the Bruins go down in hockey. It was like the regular season record or something. Brendan can can tell everybody that. Um, and I think I'm pretty sure the Miami Heat, who are in the, the NBA finals now, were a wild card team. All this to say, like it's not inconceivable. Like it's not it's not a lock that Scott comes out of that side of the bracket. And that is definitely the softer side of the bracket right now. So if somebody is able to just have a good two weeks and upset Scott, like, and Nick Lee is able to knock off his, uh, his round one opponent, like his path forward potentially could be pretty easy relative to a lot of the other playoff teams, if that makes sense. So that's why I think like, I want to say you have to grade on a curve, but in his case, his pathway to the championship as it stands right now, doesn't look like it's going to be that tough. <laughs> I mean, Scott, Scott is definitely the top team, right? But I'm saying he, he definitely Nick Lee will probably have the softest first round matchup as we look, as we're looking at it right now. And it's not impossible that Scott could get upset in the first round. I mean, it, it happened uh, not for Scott in particular. I'm talking about me as the top overall seed uh, two years ago. You were the one who upset me. It could happen. I mean, the, we've seen the wild card teams win before. So I, I think in that case, like the path could just kind of open up for Nick Lee. And that wouldn't shock me. I mean, I would be shocked to see Scott lose, but I mean, it's not inconceivable i guess sure i i I guess for me i'm really not in these power rankings i'm not considering that so much because like yeah the path could open up but then he's got to face whoever comes out of the east and the east i think is still better than nick lee that's that's fair yeah that's fair yeah so the the philosophy for me here is just if I'm a betting man, who am I going to say wins the championship as of based based solely on scoring trends? Because this is the deep dive. It's all about scoring. Maybe, maybe taking into account, you know, record, because, you know, at some point, some teams are just going to be mathematically eliminated. So they're like they have zero chance of of winning the championship, obviously. Um, but yeah, that's, that's kind of my, my thought process. Uh, we'll go ahead and, uh, move on here, uh, to, uh, pitching and hitting breakdown after these short messages. 
What up, bitches? And we're back. Thanks once again to our totally real and not imaginary sponsors. Uh, the pitching and hitting breakdown. Uh, to kind of uh, skim through this a little bit and not make this segment 4,000 hours long, uh, we're just going to do uh, the best of pitching and hitting and then risers and fallers for each. Uh, the best pitching in May was Scott with 553 points, uh, and best hitting in May was also Scott at 658.6 points. He takes the triple crown. I believe when we did when we did predictions last time, uh, Jordan and I both had him at at best overall scoring, and I took him in pitching. And Jordan took him in and hitting. So we we basically nailed it. Um, so for hitting, some risers and fallers. Uh, the biggest riser first was myself, actually, from 12th place in April to 5th place in May, moving up to 9th overall. Um, and the biggest faller was Jordan at 3rd place in April, all the way down to 11th place in May at and he falls to seventh overall in hitter points. Risers and fallers in pitching. Uh, the biggest riser was league villain Nick, sixth in April, the whole way to second in May, up to fourth overall. And the biggest faller was Mike from first in April, all the way down to ninth at third overall. I thought for sure that one was going to be me. I think I checked like earlier in the month and I, I think I was like third or something in April and I was way down. So I, I thought I was going to have like this weird up and down riser and faller, but no, Mike, Mike really fell off here in, in uh, pitching. Uh, we'll go ahead and talk about our biggest surprise here. I'll, I'll just start since I was just talking about him. Mike's, Mike's pitching staff for me, I haven't actually looked at his team to really kind of diagnose what I think happened as I stall and, and pull up his roster. Um, but that was a big surprise for me. I, I did not think he was going to drop the whole way to ninth place in the month of May. Um, yeah, Jake, how about how about you? Who was your biggest surprise out of the hitting and pitching scoring? Uh, I think it was uh, you're right. It was it was Mike, I think. Um just like you said, that was quite a drop, especially since we were I don't think we hated his pitching before. I don't, I don't think we necessarily saw this coming. Yeah, I mean, just looking at it now, he still has Shohei Otani, Hunter Green, Clayton Kershaw. Kershaw, I think, had a bit of a rough May. I mean, it, like he he lost a parent, so that that probably had a lot to do with it. But like he also has Jose Barrios, who's actually been decent here and there. Um, I mean, I don't know that a lot's changed in his bullpen to make me think. Like, I guess he lost Seth Lugo. That was probably a big one, but still not first to ninth. Like that that was pretty wild to me when I saw that. Yeah, that, that's definitely further than I would have expected, especially since, like, it, it, I guess this kind of feels like forever ago, but, like, he was neck and neck with Scott at one point. Like, they were yeah. both absolutely crushing it. And Scott 
uh, I just kind of kept that going. Whereas it's it seemed Mike uh, fell off, and I guess his pitching was a big part of that. I mean, he it, I guess I don't want to say we didn't. We kind of should have maybe expected a good deal of regression because he has a lot of pitcher injuries too. Yeah. Um, and like you said, he he lost Kershaw for a bit, but like he lost Woodruff, and that I'm surprised it took this long for that to kind of bite him. To be honest, yeah. Um, he wasn't starting Otani as a pitcher until recently. I don't think either. Uh, so that's another one. Like like you said, Lugo. I don't I don't think Lugo was as big a loss, but even still, I mean, you don't want to see that, but. Like I think he was getting pretty fortunate with the guys that he was sending out there. They were doing fairly well, maybe playing above their heads a little bit. But yeah, losing losing the anchor and Woodruff, um, I'm kind of surprised it took this long to sort of show up. Yeah, I think I think for me it it raises the question like is his like I, I think it's actually a more open question. Like was Mike's at least for his pitching was Mike's may more real or was his april more real and like both of them he did basically without woodruff so like when woodruff does come back assuming mike holds on to him like he he could just bounce right back and and be fine again so yeah definitely something to to keep tabs on as the season moves on uh we'll move on here and uh go ahead and do predictions for next month uh, Jake, who do you have for top overall score, top hitting, and top pitching? Lay it on me. So top overall, it is really hard to bet against anybody but Scott right now um, with the way that he's performing. And he, I, like I said, I'm going to go with the biggest sample size. And even though that is a boring pick, Scott has the biggest sample size of, you know, excellence so far on the season. Um, as far as... Are, are we okay? So let me just get some clarification. So this is this is this is just for the the next month, right? Are we talking about who we think is going to move up the yeah, most? Yeah, yeah. So who's who's? Yeah, yeah. This is for in the month of June when I do that month's breakdown. Who's going to be the top over score overall for the month in combined points, hitting, and pitching? Okay, I gotcha. I. I don't want to, but I, I kind of want to say that even though my pitching has been better recently, I still think it's underperformed to an extent just because of Corbin Burns. I don't know. Is that selfish? I'm talking about my own team, but I don't know. I I, I, I have mixed feelings about my team, basically. Um, <laughs> I, I, but I am starting. I am starting to believe, and I, on the other end of it, I kind of want to say, and his bullpen definitely gives me pause here, but I, I still think that Eddie's pitching staff has a ton of potential. Um, I know that Garrett Cole struggled. Javier hasn't been quite as dominant as we thought, but he's still been very good. And uh, I don't expect Bryce Elder to keep it up, but he's also been excellent and sales kind of rebounded. Like he, he does have, he's got some, some dudes who can really go on a run and carry his pitching staff. I don't think it's going to, I don't, think it'll happen if he doesn't do something different with the bullpen because it's it's a it's a whole lot of yuck right now but um i don't know i just uh think i'm gonna pick eddie as, as like a sleeper pick as a very 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 dark horse uh 
pick here for pitching. Um, and then you also let's see, you also wanted my my hitters. Um, I'm going to say that I'm actually going to go with with Brendan here, and I think it's going to go on the it's going to come on the back of, a, of an Arenado and Trey Turner rebound because both those guys have been pretty awful to be a, to be pretty honest. Um, like he does have a very good offense, and I, like he's been at the bottom because of his pitching has been absolute garbage, but that's turned around and that his offense. I think that's kind of you know that's been a mirage. Like his, we haven't really seen how good his. Uh, his offense is because his pitching has been so, so terrible, but you know, like he's got Jordan Alvarez. I think once Trey Turner and Arenado, if they can, if they can start to get it going, and he's also got Yoshida who's been phenomenal. Um, I think there might be something here. So I'm going to, I'm going to pick some sleepers here and I'm going to go with Brendan for top offense. And I, I'll say Eddie, cause so I just don't, so I don't get in trouble for talking about my own team. Well, uh, I, those are pretty good picks. Uh, I'll I'll just start with my hitter because I also had Brendan for for pretty much the same reasons. I mean, despite the struggles of of those two big names in Turner and Arenado, I don't have it pulled up in front of me, but he was he was at least top five in hitter scoring in the month of May. Um, he he was another pretty significant riser when I was looking through. I don't remember the exact numbers, but he was he was up there in in the month of May, and that's without some of his stars really performing to to the level that we know they're capable of. So I I am also picking Brendan to have a really good month, really put it all together for his offense, and his offense was already pretty good. So I I think that's actually a uh, a pretty solid pick um and yeah i'll just brush past my top overall i'm also going with scott ride ride with the hot hand until until it bites you i don't think that's anywhere near an actual saying but i said it uh and i'll go ahead and uh break the rule that you laid out because i picked myself for top pitching uh i i think my staff has improved with the trades that I've made, and uh, I think they're gonna gonna capitalize. And I also have Glasnow returning this month, so that'll be a big help. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm gonna go with myself. Bet on bet on myself. I w- I will say, in my opinion, I think you get like one per podcast to re- to really hone in and talk about your team. I know. I guess I did that a little bit in the takeaways, but that was about me personally. My my myself. This is about my guys. So I, I believe in them this month. Um, so to recap, uh, we both took Scott f- for overall scoring. We both took Brendan for top hitting. Uh, so don't let us down, Brendan, even though we're heated rivals. And I hope everyone on your team gets two points. And that's it all month. Uh, that was that was phenomenal. I, I Can you tell I studied a lot last week? Uh <laughs> And then I took myself in top pitching, and Jake took Eddie, which is I love that pick actually. That's a that's a really that's a really spicy pick. Good on good on you. Uh, finally, here uh, before moving on to a, a little bit of a bonus segment that'll like some breakdown that'll segue into a bonus segment. I just have some scoring fun facts. 
so here we go. In the month of May, Jordan's team outscored Brendan's quote-unquote season from hell by a total of 3.5 points. Now that's a pretty pretty rough month. To be fair, uh, Brendan's season from hell was a, technically a longer period of time because the first matchup was an extended period. So if Brendan, if if Jordan had the extra couple of days, he would have probably made that gap a little wider. But still, it Jordan Jordan did not have a great month uh, to the point where it was it was comparable with a a month that was hailed as the season from hell. So big sad for Jordan uh, this month. Uh, similarly, uh, for my next fun fact, uh, in April, Mike scored 1,319.5 points, beating Scott's May score at 1,211.6 uh, by over 100 points. Um, now, obviously, like I said, April was, quote unquote, April was a little bit longer uh, of a scoring period than May. But Mike's 4.38 points per game over that first four scoring periods still beats Scott's 4.33 points per game. So I, I think we're safe to say that Mike still has the best month so far this season, even beating out Scott's, which he, again, he took the triple crown winning overall hitting and pitching all this month. So hats off to Mike. That first month was still red hot. Phenomenal. Uh, the next fun fact on the year, the biggest gap between hitting and pitching is Nate's team. He is 12th in hitting and fifth in pitching. And the smallest gap, of course, is Scott. He is first in hitting, second in pitching. Uh, and then the last one, scoring continues to be up considerably since last season, with seven teams already in the 2000s club versus six last year, and 10 teams breaking 1,900 versus just seven last year. So the same number of teams this year have reached 2,000 points as did reach 1,900 points last season. So that's uh, pretty considerable. Uh, once again, uh, any reactions or takeaways from this before we move on, Jake? Um, I mean, I think this illustrates just how just how bad a month it's been for for the Walk Institute of Research. Um, really, a really tough scene over there, for sure. Yeah, really, really hampered, probably more than can be stated by the trade that completely exploded in his face, like minutes after he made it. That's that was just extremely unfortunate, and that that probably has a lot to do with what happened to him this month. The gap with Nate's team is out is also very interesting. That they're because I don't, I mean, I there there's definitely been someone where this has happened before, but that that's just interesting that he's his hitting and pitching is is so far apart. Yeah, it's really interesting because he's been seventh in scoring both months. So like he he hasn't really moved much at all in the scoring department. So like if his if his hitting caught up to his pitching 
at all. Like he he'd be a top team. I'm at, I'm kind of surprised that the gap the biggest gap is not Brendan's pitching and Brendan's hitting. I gotta Brendan's, say I'm I'm kind of stunned by that. Brendan's hitting overall, his April was actually kind of not great. He got off to a great start, and then like the last two matchups, I think were were pretty bad for him. They kind of fell off. Um, his May was a lot better, so I, I think his gap was also pretty large, but not twelfth to fifth large. Yeah, that's that's just uh, it's it was more about how bad his pitching was. There just yeah. there wasn't that. I'm high sure. Bar to clear. I'm sure if I actually did it by like point separation instead of rankings, his might have been further still. But yeah, that's a good point. Maybe I'll maybe I'll do that next month. Do it more points based than than ranks based. Anywho, I will go ahead and electronically transfer the power chair back to Jake to finish off the deep dive because we're going to talk about the East versus West. Jake, go ahead and take it away. And it has been pretty crazy. Um, four of the top six teams are of the East. Um, Mike, me, JC, and Leagueville and Nick, uh, we're, we're all ranked two through five. Uh, the two West teams, Scott and I didn't mention Nate in there. Sorry. It's not League Villanitic. It's Nate. Jerwin filled that part out. I would like to have it though. This was not my mistake. Oh, did Anywho. I screw it up? Well, big sad. <laughs> that's that's okay. You filled it out. So that's, I'm always appreciative of that because that means I don't have to do it. But uh, the two West teams are Scott and Nick Lee. Um, Jerwin is hanging in there, but. Uh, he's separated by like, 392.7 points. Um, so there there seems like a pretty significant teardrop there. Uh, to give some historical background here, in 2021, the top six was was split evenly at 3-3, and it was, that was the, it was the same in 2022. We were also 3-3 there. Um, a little more, I mean, this this will show the the gap even more. So the current record for the East is 56 and 40 and that's a 583 win percentage at this time last year the mar and i'm giving it just for the east and obviously the west is inverse of that just to illustrate that part but so for the east record last year was 49 and 47 so we're a 510 winning percentage and the year before that it was flipped it was 47 and 49 or a 490 win percentage um, so we have this year, the East from last year has improved by, and these aren't the same teams. So that let's just, I guess that's another comment I should make. These aren't the same teams. This is just to illustrate the gap in strength between the divisions, which is frankly unprecedented. Um, we, we have a seven win improvement from the East from this year, uh, or from last year to this year and a, a nine win for a nine win improvement from the year before, but basically all this to say, uh, we normally have a pretty very we normally have a very even split, and this year we don't at all. Um, and to just illustrate where we were at the end of uh, the the year, so then um, I'm giving the East record again. The East in 2022 went 114 and 102, so they actually moved even further in that direction for a 528 win percentage as opposed to 510. And at the end of 2021, they moved a little bit. I mean, I guess it was kind of, they kind of stayed the same. It was 112 and 116. 
Um, and the math doesn't add up there. Another note, math doesn't add up there because we had one extra week uh, in 2021 because of the, the lockout in 2022. But uh, this, this difference is completely unprecedented. Um, and it seems like if we're going, at least in the Fantrax era, uh, the, the record right now, over the last two years, it did not fluctuate much from the final record um, at the end of the season. It kind of kept pace at the same rate. Um, Jerwin, do you think, I'll start with this, do you think that that is going to be true this year? Do you think that this, like, this is the split that we're kind of going to see at the end of the year where the East is just, is up? I mean, I, I get that point, if they're going to keep the same winning percentage, it would be even more than, is it even more than 16 games? Um, do you kind of see that happening or do you see a rebound from the West? I I think I can see at least a, a small rebound from the West, at least to like normalize it a little bit. Um, and the reason for that is in the month of May, the split was still 3-3. Three, three. Uh, Scott, Brendan, and I from the West were, were top six, and then Jake, Nick, and Mike or League Villain Nick and Mike were the other three. So it, it doesn't seem as set in stone to me. Um, and I don't know. I feel like... I, I feel like the... In years past, the difference seemed to kind of normalize also. But I, but I guess you you've shown here that it really really didn't. Maybe that was just perception. So I don't know. I think I'm just a little bit nervous being from the, from the West and seeing how history has played out with with these records. Um, I, I I think what I would look for is not so much the records, but the the scoring trends. Not to be biased towards my segment, but. but the the scoring trends because you know Brendan is like we meant like I mentioned earlier is still in dead last in scoring but he had a much better May and he jumped a couple people in the standings already um and like the reason for that is like it for any of the golfers out there um fantasy baseball is match play not stroke play you can you can shoot ten on a hole, and the the other guy gets a birdie. You lost by seven strokes on a par four, but you still you're still only down one. You can tie it up the very next hole by having having a decent hole. Um, it's the same way here. So Brendan was like completely trashed in in the first month, but he's crawled his way back into things with just one pretty good month. And I, I think, um, you know, the the hole to climb out of is not going to be as large as the standings, I think, make it seem, especially if the scoring trends kind of normalize and we, we start to see a, a more even split between the East and the West moving forward. Uh, we're running a little long, so just give some quick thoughts on these 
next ones, but do you th uh, just any general thoughts on how the our our current because like I said, we, this has never happened before where we've had this sort of split. Um, any thoughts on how this is going to impact the trade market or you know like um, anything like that? Trade market will definitely be interesting um, because I I don't even know how like I'm gonna play things out like I'm third place in my division. I could, but I could easily fall out of that and not be in a wild card spot. It's 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 going to be it's going to be very interesting to watch because we haven't had a trade market with this big of a gap between the competitiveness of of the divisions. All right. So the no another thing that I thought was interesting here is when I'm looking back and I'm looking at the at the uh, the week eight in. Like what was the state of 2021 and 2022 at week eight of of those respective seasons? And one thing I found was the top three in each division at that point in this, in the year finished as the top three of their divisions each of the last two seasons. We didn't have so the top three in week eight for each division. Uh, both years we did not have anybody. Th th that that was the top three at the end of the year. Um, the change we did see was with the wild card we had two new wild cards in I think it was 2022 and one in 20 no i have those backwards one in 2021 two in 20 no <laughs> other way around anyways we did have movement with the wild cards we did not with the top three um and the it's not like the top three in those in those years jumped out to some crazy start or anything it, the the uh the split there was was about what we have now. Actually, um, I mean it's it's very similar, uh, no more than like two games. But do we? What are, what are your thoughts on that? Do you think this is, this will stay the same this year, or, or are we going to see some change? I I think I'm so far this season I'm believing more in volatility. Um, so I think this might be a year in which things change. I don't think it's going to be crazy like everyone like we're we're not going to see Scott fall out of the playoffs or or you, um, but I think the the rest of the division I I I could see a scenario in which things things change up between the the two and three seeds in each division, and then finally. The the magic number for uh, playoff berth in the Fantrax era, according to the Walk Institute of Research, is 13. Um, should anyone at this point be worried about not reaching that mark? And do you think that that mark is still valid given the, the current structure of our standings? Oh, well, that second one is a big I don't know. Um... Yeah, no, no clue what's what's going to hold historically, based on the unprecedented nature of of what we're seeing so far this season. Um, because again, like the the trade market could be totally wild this year. We could see, you know, more teams selling than before. We could see more teams buying than before. It it, it could be. I could see either way. At least as of right now. So, yeah, whether or not the 13 will hold up is 
I, if I were a betting man, I would say yes, but I, I could see it changing this year because lots of lots of stuff has changed this year. Um, but should anyone be worried about not reaching that? I mean, Jordan should be worried at this point. Maybe Sam at four wins. Um, it is a long season, but we are uh, closing in on on halfway through the regular season, I think. We have, I, I believe it's 19 matchups in the regular season, and we just finished the eighth. So we're getting, we're getting up there. We're in like the heart of the season now. And if you've still got 10 and 11 more wins to go before you reach the magic number, um, that's frightening for sure. All right. Well, I mean, if 13 is the magic number, that means Scott and I should be popping the champagne now. Yeah. Uh, Congratulations. We, we can coast the finish line. Honestly, I should have sat people this week, I guess. <laughs> but that's all for our for our deep dive. Thanks again, Jerwin, for getting all that together. Um, definitely interesting looking at all that stuff, the monthly trends, what is happening, the current state of the league. But let's go to the matchup preview. Um, I guess we'll start with best matchup. Uh, Jeremy, what do you have? Um, I mean, I you got to go with the big one, like a big dusk. Scott versus Jake. Like, it's it's the East versus West Bowl this week, and you get to see the one seeds go at it. Um, that that's what I want out of life today. Yeah, this is the. I guess I should probably should have mentioned that this is the rivalry. I well, not rivalry week. This is the uh, the East versus West week. Um, so I th- I think the the best matchup is probably the the ones in first right now, and um, we've also seen that these are the these are the two hottest teams, um, at least for the last month. So yeah, two teams that are that are uh, on a roll. Only one will will emerge, and uh, I hope it'll be me. Uh, thing to watch for. Um, for me this week, I'll start us off. This is the, I, I want to see the East back up the talk. Um, this is, this is the, I know we had, we had a, a, uh, kind of rivalry. I keep calling it a rivalry week. East versus West was our first week, but, um, that was before the narrative. Now the East has been doing all kinds of talking. Um, we, we think we're, we think we're it. Um, and we got to back that up this week. So, that is my thing to watch for. Will the East put the bunny where the mouth is and just, you know, flex on the West this week? Uh, Jerwin, what's your thing to watch for? Uh, my thing to watch for is something that I think would fly under the radar given the momentous occasion we find ourselves at at the East versus West Bowl week. Um, I, I think... The the storm is a brewing. The uh, the sharks are probably starting to circle. Uh, the the early seller window uh, is upon us. Um, I I mentioned at the very top of the season that I, I think the early selling. Um, I certainly will not be doing it. I mean, I'm in a playoff spot. Easy for me to say, but I, I think. The obvious one to to watch is Jordan. He had a really rough month. Um, 
and he's he's looking a bit wounded, especially after his trade where Freed went down like right after he got him. Um, I think if I were in that spot, I would probably still hold out and not sell early. But I'll go ahead and tease it here. Next week, we're going to talk a bit about the kind of the trade market. I'm I'm going to give some more thoughts. I've continued to to think and I'll do some pontificating on on keeper values and and when you should sell and and stuff like that. And Jake and I will discuss that assuming Jake can do it next week. Um but yeah, so it, it's that time of year where if you're going to sell early, you're definitely considering it it at this point so that's my thing to watch for is anyone going to start making moves like that this week and uh moving forward all right let's get into matchup predictions uh we weren't on last week and i totally forgot to get nate and jordan's picks so i will update that at some point but it doesn't seem like there's any reason to go through any of the records right now since they're not actually updated um (laughs) so let's just get into the matchups uh, we're going to start with the with the one with the the one seed matchup. That's my team, Jake's fantasy baseball team versus Scott, Team Eminon. Uh, I'm taking my team here. I think I believe. Jerwin, who do you take? Uh, real quick note: there is one record that was I don't think they mentioned last week because I didn't give them our picks from when it was Mike and I on the pod. But Mike did actually go zero and six uh in his picks an incredible uh, feat the guest is no longer winning in in uh win percentage on on the prediction record so maybe maybe jordan well they and, might be and nate yeah maybe jordan and nate redeemed him last week um but worth mentioning mike did go over uh so so next time on the podcast he's got uh he he'll be he'll be making picks with a chip on his shoulder. Hopefully hopefully he'll turn it around for the guests. But um in this one I West Pride, uh West Side Pride, whatever. I don't know. I went to Jeanette, but I still don't know anything. Uh Scott. I'm going with Scott in this one. It really bothers me that you put these out of order, but I I'm just gonna keep going. Uh next up is Sam, weak pull out hitter versus League Villain Nick. Beaver Valley All Stars. Give me League Villain Nick here in this spot. Who do you take? Uh, I also took League Villain Nick. I I say West Side and and whatnot, but I you know I, I think Nick is the better team. One note: I I put these in in the order that they appear in the fan tracks, uh, uh, standings results screen or whatever. So the reason I did that is I don't want to put my team first every week by just checking the scoring page. I want to, you know, be that well, guy. You know, fan tracks displays something weird. Big shocker there. Uh, Jordan, the Walk Institute of Research versus Eddie. Look at my Tatis in our toilet bowl. Uh, well, our mid-season toilet bowl. Um, I am taking Eddie here. Who do you have? I'm actually taking. I'm actually taking Jordan. I think he's gonna have one of his like surprise weeks and do fairly well. And Eddie's gonna kind of flounder. This is the first week this has ever happened, and I think it's because I switched my schedule maker. Um, Nate and Brendan have a rematch from last week. 
Uh, so Nate, eating ass and taking names versus Brendan the Flying Rutchman. Um, I'm taking Nate to pull off the the little mini sweep here. What do you have? I'm gonna take Brendan to to even up the series. All right, we're gonna go to your matchup, Jerwin the Mighty Vibes versus JC and Company, which is run by JC. Um, I am taking JC here. Uh, as I said, no more heresy. We're going with me here. Talking on mute like a rookie. Um, and our last our last matchup, Nick Lee, Team C Deemer versus No Money Mike. Give me No Money Mike here. Give me the East sweep. That's what I'm talking about. Uh, who do you have? Boo, boo East. I also took Mike, but also, but I, I took other West teams. So boo East. Boo. I realized I didn't give the Fantrax picks. Uh, Fantrax picked me, League Villain Nick, Jordan, Nate, JC, and Mike. So Fantrax is predicting a near East sweep. Just uh, Jordan is the only one that Jordan Eddie is the only game that it is, it is predicting to go the way of the West. Um, so let's go to news and notes. Um, we're going to fly through these call-ups. Some interesting ones. Um, Mike Soroka got called up. For, he's going to. He just had his first start since I think 2020. Or his first major league start since 2020. Uh, Royce Lewis, twin shortstop. Ben Joyce, who is an Angels relief pitcher that apparently throws really hard. And I have no idea how to pronounce the second part of this guy's last name. I, the first time I saw it, my mind went to Smith Schuster. Um, <laughs> AJ Smith Shaver. I have no idea how to say that last part, but uh, any of these guys you think are going to be the most impact, which, which just give me thoughts on these, these dudes who just got called up. I mean, obviously I'm most excited about Royce Lewis because I, I have him on my team. He is keeper, keeper eligible. Um, and he, he hit a long, he hit a bomb in his, in his first game. So that was pretty exciting. I, I do think Mike Soroka is a very interesting one. I don't know what happened that they decided to call him up. It seemed like they were kind of reluctant to call him up despite the injuries that the Braves were having in their rotation, but I, I guess he finally made it. Um, he was struggling for a bit at AAA, but kind of his last couple starts, I guess, were pretty good. It'll be very interesting to see how he does. He's, you know, he had a great 2019 and then just hasn't played since. So, We'll see where he ends up. Under a minute, we're going to get this done. Um, skipping the send downs because it was just Brandon Fott and Grayson Rodriguez. They both stink. Sad. Um, yeah, sad. We're going to skip the returns. Oh, it's Luis Severino, Kyle Hendricks, Eloy Jimenez, and uh, Liam Hendricks officially returned this week. Uh, injuries. We have Cedric Mullins, Pete Fairbanks, Willie Adamas, Thyro Strada, Lance McCullers, and Wardo Rodriguez. Real quick, who gets the most sympathy? I'm going to give it to Jordan because Pete Fairbanks has just been a big sad for him all year. Um, and I have Jason Adams, so I reap all the rewards. So there you go. Eddie gets my sympathy because Cedric Mullins is the best player on this list. Uh <laughs>